When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Brought to you by Pella Windows and the Doors. It's winter. It's cold. That's where you need your windows to step their game up and keep your energy efficiency on point where you're staying warm, keeping the heat high and the energy bills low. And your windows are vital in this fight. Pella's got the top of the line windows to do just that. You can holler at them. Your local Pella Omaha and Lincoln expert, or you can go online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. All right, welcome back into the Nick Bob podcast and uh, got a Nebraska basketball heavy pod for you. Got six thoughts on Husker Hoops. Uh, we started kind of writing this out a little bit on Sunday, January 30th, wrote a little bit more today on Monday, January 31st. I'm taping it right now. It's about 8 o'clock Central Time, uh, January 31st, coming off the Rutgers loss at home, Pinnacle Bank Arena. And I tell you what, let, let's let's begin the, the, the conversation there because, man, in a season filled with gut-punch losses, that might have been the ultimate gut-punch loss on Saturday night where Nebraska led Rutgers for 38 minutes. 38 minutes, had the lead, stumbled in the final 90 seconds, and eventually lose 63-61 to fall to 0-10 in Big Ten play. Ugh. And, you know, we talked about this during the football season as, as you know, Frost crew kept on finding ways to to lose and, and get their heart broken towards the end of the game. And, and you're kind of conjuring up the same question right now in basketball season where you can't help but wonder how many times can can you lose, get knocked to the canvas, and get back up, dust yourself off, and go and compete and get yourself back up to that level. I, I mean, all I know is each game that passes that Nebraska doesn't win, that task is going to get harder and harder and harder and harder. And I think the monkey on their back of – 0 and 8, 0 and 9, 0 and 10, 0 and 11, 0, like the Ofer monkey in conference play starts to just wear on you. And so it, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see where this team's at. Um and and listen, Nebraska's got major deficiencies. They're well documented, we talked about them and, you know, this team clearly has a mental block and doesn't know how to close out and win games. But at the same time, it's it's much more than that. This team is this team doesn't do a lot of the little things, and those things ultimately catch up to you. But for me, for as much as you know, you could talk about all those things that is laid out. I I couldn't help but watch that game, Nebraska and and Rutgers, and I couldn't help but watch it and just think about Kobe Webster's comments from a little over a week ago the whole time. Now, if if you missed it, it's it's kind of made the rounds and it it's to the point where Hoiberg addressed it in a press conference, Kobe Webster also addressed it in in talking to the media. Kobe Webster went on 93.7 the ticket and uh he said, "Quote, he he was being asked about, you know, who's who's the guys that on the team that's that's 
leading the other players, holding the other players accountable? Who's the dude that is talking to the other guys on the team? Hey, man, you got to do this, you got to do that, whatever. That, that was kind of the gist of the question. Uh, and Kobe Webster said, quote, I told Coach, he always talked about player-led teams. How, could, how can you expect another player to hold his teammates accountable if the coaches don't hold him accountable? Whoa. I mean, that is that, – that's quite the, the quote. I couldn't believe it when someone first told. See, someone first told me what he said, and I was like, I, "Do you ever hear quotes and you go, I gotta go listen to this myself?" Like you go, "You must not have gotten the context right." Did he really say that? Hold on, what did he really? You know, you you felt like it maybe was a bad game of telephone, but then I I went I went and watched it. It was on YouTube. I watched it. It it's, it was it was unfortunate. Then again, Hoiberg addressed it. Kobe Webster addressed it. They've talked it out. And I've had a lot of people ask me about my my thoughts on those comments, and I don't want I I feel like now is maybe a time I can address them because I don't want to feel like I'm a, I'm ducking those those comments. So you know, first of all, awful look. I mean, just a horrible look, bad look for Kobe Webster. I cannot believe he said it, regardless of it's if it's true or not. He's in his sixth year of college basketball. He he's got to know better than to say something like that, right or wrong, in an interview. It's a bad look for Kobe Webster, and then obviously it's a really bad look and a poor reflection on Fred Hoiberg and the coaching staff. Any way you slice it, it's it's not good. And again, I don't know specifically what Kobe Webster it was. I don't know what specifically what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know what player he was hinting at. I don't know if it's a group of players. I don't know if it's one player. I, I don't know if there's a specific coach. I don't know. I, I do know this. When I heard that comment, I did. My mind immediately had flashbacks to my senior year at Creighton with P. Allen Stinnett. P. Allen Stinnett was one of the first four-star recruits that had come to to Creighton. He was from Las Vegas. You know, he was he was a very very highly touted guy, and he came in. And listen, man, the, the P. Allen Stinnett story is well documented. The dude was a selfish, bad teammate, and. I, I when I heard those comments, I I had flashbacks of of I think we and by we I mean all of my teammates when I was at Creighton my my senior year and then obviously the years that that followed until P. Allen was ultimately kicked off the team. I think we all felt like P. Allen Stinnett was held to a different standard than the rest of the team, and that stuff matters. And I've told this story before, but I remember before when I was a graduate assistant and P. Allen Stinnett was was mother effing the coaches and bad mouthing Coach Altman and 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 ripping his teammates in front of uh in, to his to the teammates face and all that stuff after we had lost at Arkansas Little Rock I remember that the following game was the Nebraska game and the discussion amongst the coaching staff was okay who, who do what do I do about coach Altman was asking what do I do about Peon Stinnett do I suspend him do I not and I remember I was the one coach that said you have to sit him I say you you got a bunch you got a bunch of guys in that locker room that think that the rules don't apply to him. And you will lose the locker room if if you don't sit him. Coach Altman ultimately sided with me. He sat him and we Creighton lost to Nebraska, but nevertheless, I just I, I had flashbacks hearing Kobe Webster talk about that. I'm like, ooh, is he is this a P. Allen Stinnett situation with someone on the team? All I know is what Kobe Webster was saying is something that I have experienced. But again, I don't know specifically who or what he is talking about at all. I don't know. 
So I can't sit here and turn on this mic and speak in definitive certainty on what Kobe Webster hit on in that comment. But here's the thing, man. We all watch the games. We've, we've watched the games. We've watched the, what have they tw- played? They're 6-15, and 15, so they've played 21 games. We've all watched the games. Regardless of the blame, who, who's right, who's wrong, who's this, who's that, this team doesn't do the little things, and that's on everybody, you know? Like, you want to blame the coaches? Fine. I mean, there is that saying in, in coaching where you're either coaching it or allowing it. Either way, not good. Want to blame the players? Fine. I will say this. As a player, do you really need a coach to yell at you to box out or dive on the floor? Not if you really want to win, you don't. Now, some young players don't know any better on, on what, what it takes at this level to be successful. But, again, regardless of, of playing the blame game, it's on everybody. They're 6-15. and 15. It's, it's been a disappointing year. So, I guess while I was surprised, really surprised, that Kobe Webster said those comments publicly, I'll be real, based on what I've seen in the games, I guess I'm not that surprised to hear those comments at the same time. Again, this team is 6-15. and 15, They're 0-10 for crying out loud in Big Ten play. I'll put it like this. The shocking thing was that Kobe Webster said that publicly, not necessarily the content, the contents of the comments, Again, based off based off of the results in the games. So I'm not here to play the blame game within those comments because I don't know. I'm not at practice every day. Maybe Kobe Webster's full of it. Maybe he is dead spot on. I don't know. All I'm saying is sports are a bottom line business, and to me, they all aren't getting it done. Players, coaches, everybody. But I was just amazed that Kobe Webster went there and said that publicly. And to circle back to the Rutgers game, let me say this before I continue. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to crush Kobe Webster with this take, but I'm going to make a larger point. But I couldn't help, and I couldn't help, I, I couldn't imagine that I'm the only one. I can't imagine I'm the only one that felt this way. I couldn't help but watch that Rutgers game and think, man, it's just unfortunate for the guy who said the coaches don't hold the players accountable. That same guy, Kobe Webster, goes 0 for 10 from the floor. He gave up an offensive rebound put back to Paul Mulcahy for the go-ahead basket with 90 seconds left. And then was also fouled with about one second left, down three, with a chance to make three free throws, send it in overtime, and he missed the free throws. And what, why it's unfortunate is because Kobe Webster kind of slid himself under the microscope for me in those comments. You make comments like that, you're, you're just to me, you're putting the spotlight on you. And it's like, why? Why add the distraction? Why add the unnecessary spotlight on yourself? Why slide yourself under the microscope? Why bring that drama to where Fred Hoiberg had to get asked about it in a press? Why? And I don't know exactly the context of that show and that appearance for Kobe Webster on 93.7 The Ticket. I think it was just, I think he was just a guest on a show. But I do know you go to 93.7 The Ticket and their website, and you you know, Kobe Webster and C.J. Wilcher host a podcast for 93.7 The Ticket. So on some level, he is kind of affiliated with that station in some capacity. And this isn't totally 
the perfect example to make this point, but it's certainly something that I've wondered. And, and one of the things that I was always curious to watch with kind of this NIL thing and how it naturally lent itself to players hosting their own podcasts and getting paid for it was, listen, that's all good and well when you're winning. But what does all that look like if things go south? I mean, Adrian Martinez hosted a podcast on the same network I'm on, Herd App Media. That gets a little dicey when all of a sudden you're losing and you're having you're throwing interceptions that lose the game. You're having turnovers in the final drive that lose the game. All of a sudden, hosting a pot, all of a sudden that gets a little dicey. You even look at the at the McGowan brothers. They host a podcast for Husker Online. Those pods have slowed down because it gets a it gets to be a tricky deal when you're losing. Because what are you gonna say? And unfortunately, for some people, they end up maybe saying something like what Kobe Webster said. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm all for these players creating a podcast and getting paid for it. I'm all for it. More power to them. I do think if executed correctly, it's a great tool for these players to, A, make some money, B, you know, grow their brand and, and all that. I think it's great. But I was just always curious what players would say and how they would approach things when or if they start losing and they start struggling. And again, this this Kobe Webster situation, I don't believe this was a pot like his podcast or anything like that, but the spirit of the point remains the same. Of all the NIL deals moving forward, which a lot of them feel like they're behind the scenes and you don't know really what's going on behind the scenes, which is interesting to me. I, I think we all, at least I kind of thought we'd, I don't know, know some terms and know exactly who's endorsing what and what kind of money is getting exchanged. You kind of have no idea. But of all the NIL deals moving forward, the one that I think is potentially the most tricky for players are, are the podcast ones or the radio appearance ones. Like, the, I like Kobe Webster. Let me make that abundantly clear. I've actually, if you've listened to... If you if you go look back at the podcast feed, I've been beating the drum of playing him more over for over a year. So I hate that he kind of slipped up and kind of stepped in it with those accountability comments that he made. Because then he follows it up with a clunker of a game. And I was just watching, thinking, man, Kobe, you didn't need to add that spotlight onto you. So I'm rooting like hell for him to get back on track. But I just thought that was a valuable lesson on a variety of fronts. You know, handle all your issues internally. Keep everything in-house. Like, you got a problem with someone, you got a problem with something, keep that shit in the locker room. You, you, got, a, you got a major issue with, an, with something that's going on, address it in-house. When you, I mean, there's kind of a, in sports, I've always kind of thought, when you win, don't say much, and when you lose, say less. So I'm rooting like hell for Kobe Webster to have a big bounce back game because I'm sure he's really upset with how the last few weeks have gone for him. All of a sudden, it's like, man, I get, I, I have a mental brain fart, say some silly stuff on the radio. Now, all of a sudden, I'm slitting under the microscope. I have a bad game. You know, like, it's unfortunate. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors. 
by Pella won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. So that was my first thought. My second thought, so like we said, Nebraska's 0-10 in conference play, 6-15 overall, and that loss to Rutgers, again, felt extra gut-punchy to me. Led for 38 minutes, lose by two points. Ugh. But if we stop for a second and reflect, again, the season's not over, but I was thinking about this. We, we all know this. Not all games and results of, of those games are created equal. Some wins have greater impact than others, and some losses have a greater impact than others. And I was kind of reflecting on the season so far. Again, the calendar is about to turn to February, all those things. I was kind of reflecting on the season for Nebraska. And I wrote down a list of here are the most impactful games so far to me. And, and all I can go, uh, some of it is a little bit of how the games kind of landed to the, the fans and the media, but some of it is also for me. The first game I wrote down for one of the four or five most impactful games this season was the Colorado Exhibition game. If you remember, Nebraska kicked Colorado's ass. Colorado was an NCAA tournament team a year ago. They have they they have been a good program under Tad Boyle. Like that's not a bad team that came to Lincoln and Nebraska played really now that you've watched them play 21 times after that, they played uncharacteristically amazing in that game. And I think why I I, I wrote that game down as impactful is cuz I think it set an expectation level that Nebraska ultimately fell woefully short of and made you even scratch your head more as to what you were trying to figure out and watch on the floor like they shot it great the ball movement was great the the energy the the fl- all it, it was all off the charts you go you go turn on that game you're like what whoa they shot the shit out of the ball. They were moving the ball. They played with tons of energy. And to me, I think subconsciously for me, that game impacted my my thought on the team. I was like, man, okay, hold on now. This team, this, could this team maybe make a little make a little noise? So I wrote that game down because it it to me it set the bar unrealistically high. And they've never, basically, the best game they've played all year was against Colorado in an exhibition game. The next game I wrote down was in the first game of the season, the Western Illinois game. All of a sudden, a Summit League team that's not very good comes into Pinnacle Bank Arena, and it's a freaking dogfight back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, close game. And Western Illinois hits a three with about five or six seconds left to win the game. And it just, it felt like, here we go again a little bit. 
And I know the coaches and the players had to feel like that. Where you've seen that over the last, the start of Nevada beat beat Nebraska at Nebraska early in the year, uh, in year two of Fred Hoiberg. Year one, was it Southern Utah or someone came in and beat Nebraska early? Where these early, you know, on paper, cream puff buy games where you're going to go win. Nevada's not really like that, but point remains the same. Where you lose these games and it just gets everything off on the wrong foot. So I wrote down that game. The the most obvious one is the NC State game on the road at NC State for the for the the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Four overtimes. You're up double digits in the second half. The game ends up going to overtime. Verge clearly got fouled and it didn't get called, or he would have gone to the line with the game tied and would have been able to win the game. And in, in, it was either in regulation or the first overtime. I've lost track after you know a, a couple of months here, but that game felt like it was a big a big turning point for this team. Now, I don't know if this team ever really had it in them to to play at a consistently high level just because of some of their deficiencies, but ba- I always tell people basketball is a chemistry and confidence sport, and you you either have it or you don't, and it's really hard if you don't have confidence, and that game seemed to kind of crush Nebraska's confidence a little bit, derail them a little bit. Speaking of the, then a game that, that was – a derailer. To me, the Michigan game at home in December, I thought that game completely took Nebraska's spirit. And it took them a while to kind of g- get back off the canvas from that one. Because I thought I thought that was Nebraska's worst effort game of the year. Like of all the games Nebraska's played this year, that is the number one game in terms of the worst the worst fight, the worst focus, the worst just playing hard. That that was the worst of it. And I thought that that game took Nebraska's spirit because then, oh, by the way, their next game was against Auburn, who now we found out's basically one of the five best teams in the country. And Nebraska limped into that game and got smacked. And now all of a sudden you're really reeling. But I felt like that Michigan game was the first game where the had a really negative impact on the vibe around the team with the fans and the media. I felt like that Michigan game was when things kind of flipped where there was a little more venom and vitriol and anger amongst the fans and the, and some of the media members kind of kind of showed their teeth a little bit with with how they reacted to that game. The gloves kind of came off for lack of a better term with the media and the fans after that one. Those to me are the the big ones. And we'll see listen this Rutgers game you hope it's it, you don't add that one to the list. You hope that's not a gut punch to the canvas that they have a hard time getting back up from. But those were those are a handful of the most impactful games to me so far this year. Thought number three is just kind of a big picture one with Fred. I mean, everybody's a hey, Fred Hoiberg rest of the season. What's going to happen? Everybody wants to forecast right now with Hoiberg and and the future and all that stuff. Listen, I don't. I really don't know. I I have no idea. We all know the news of that $18 million buyout after the contract extension from Bill Moose to Fred Hoiberg after the first year. Um, That's a lot of money. You also wonder where Fred Hoiberg is going to be at mentally if if things keep going in this direction, right? Who knows? I, I have no idea. I just know this. It's really hard when your program has zero momentum. And it's it's really hard when you lose when you lose all that positive forward momentum at all, 
That's a really challenging thing to deal with, and it feels like that's becoming the case right now. It's also hard. This is the other thing that's that's. It's also hard when you can't even really muster up an, an excuse or a, ration, a rationalization for what's going on. You know, like year one, you kind of go like, "Hey, man, it's year one." Year two is like is COVID. Year three, this year there there should there's no real excuse for things to be going the way they've been going. Yeah, Nick Breidenbach got hurt. Oh, God. I mean, yeah, it makes a difference, but you tell me Wilhelm Breidenbach was the difference between this team going to, like, the NIT or not? Or, come on. Trey McGowan's, yes, I mean, impactful, but there's still no – there's no excuse for 6-15-0-10. So there's that. Now, the good news for Hoiberg and and, and Nebraska basketball is – you got 10 guaranteed games left to play. Nine regular season games left, at least one conference tournament game. So you have 10 opportunities to try to flip the script. And I, I went back and checked, and this is – let me preface this comment with, I'm not predicting this to happen. I'm not predicting this to happen. But think about this for a second. Tim Miles in year two, 2014. Do you realize on February 5th of that year, Nebraska lost by 29 at Michigan. So got blasted at Michigan to fall to 11 and 10 overall and three and six in conference play. Nobody, and I mean nobody at that point, thought this team was about to go on a crazy hot run. And they did. They got red hot. They they go eight and one down the stretch to finish the regular season 19 and 11, 11 and 7 in Big Ten play. And you have the no sit Sunday beat Wisconsin in Pinnacle Bank Arena. One of the most amazing basketball games I've I've seen the atmosphere was nuts. So again, I'm not predicting that to happen to this team, but I'm simply pointing out the fact that you still hold the pen to this story of this season. If you're Fred Hoiberg and the players, the players and the coaches still are holding that pen. They got 10 games guaranteed to get this thing changed. And it needs to change. You got to give the fans and the people around the program something, anything to cling on to right now. You got to win some games at some point. It's not gone well up until this point, but it's the beauty of sports. Is like you still got those those ten games are going to happen regardless. So you, you might as well go see if you can make something happen with them. Thought number four, I, I've, I've wanted to, I've made a note to myself to bring this up because I've, you know, I'll get emails, I'll get uh, tweets. What is Doc Sadler doing? What Doc, how could Doc allow this to happen defensively? Guys, I just want to make some, do you realize of all the people to blame, this is none of this is on Doc Sadler. Doc Sadler can't. You do realize Doc Sadler's not one of the three assistant coaches. You do realize that, right? Like one of the three full time assistants. 
he's you know in kind of a of a you know special assistant to the coach ops role kind of you know one of those made up titles where you bring in you have someone there like he technically he can't coach in practice i've been at shootarounds guess who isn't installing the defensive game plan doc sadler's not he's not teaching the defense he's not installing the the, the scatter report defensive plan. So I just want to, you can do with that whatever you want. This ain't on Doc, okay? So whatever, if whether you're trying to blame him when you're talking with your friends or you're tweeting at me or tweeting at the, this isn't on Doc Sadler, okay? It's not on Doc. That's thought number four. Thought number five was kind of sparked with, you know, with Chucky Hepburn coming back to play Nebraska. And it's this is an original uh, an original thought because it was kind of written about, and even Dirk Chatlin wrote about it a, a month ago. But, like, you watch Chucky Hepburn start at point guard for Wisconsin, and Wisconsin having, is having an amazing year. And you kind of think to yourself about, you know, we've talked ad nauseum about all the roster holes and deficiencies with with the roster over the year, you know, needed to find a pure point guard, really haven't done that yet. Needed to find a, a, a good batch of legitimately consistent, good, real three-point shooters. Haven't really done that yet. You needed to get some size in the interior to hang in the Big Ten. Haven't really been able to do that yet. But I also think one of the things from a big hole in the roster standpoint is – Unfortunately, Fred Hoiberg and Nebraska, they haven't gotten that one foundational piece or or foundational core, like core of players. I'm talking someone that was here in year one and is still here in year three. A group of players that were here when this thing got started in year one and they're juniors now was what they would be. You know, where you had you had a Doug McDermott, Jahins Mana got like that core early on that got it through. You had the Ryan Sears, Ben Walker that got it all cracking for Dana Altman to behind every turnaround, you gotta have a core or at least one foundational piece. And with Chucky Hepper, now obviously you would have wished he would he would have come along and gone to Nebraska in for year one but you look at him it's like man Greg Gard has like you can build around Chucky Hepburn that's not to say Chucky Hepburn's going to be a first team all-american big 10 player of the year in the future I don't know if he's ever going to be like that kind of a guy but damn that's a great foundational piece to build your program around you're going to have a, a rock star effort defense intangibles passing smart competitive winner handling the ball, running the show for your team for the next four years. If you're Greg Gard, man, you you got to be, yeah, Johnny Davis, I get it. Like, he's a freaking superstar, going to be a lottery pick. But, man, Chucky Hepburn, that stuff makes a difference. So, again, we Nebraska's lacking a lot of tangible things, right? Point guard play, three-point shooting, size inside. But Nebraska's also lacking intangible things as well. And I get that Nebraska under Fred Hoiberg was always going to be heavy on on taking transfers, but man, you just you feel like this year in particular, these kind of tough times, you need a core, you need a foundation, and oftentimes that's in a player or a few players. 
somebody that's just that is all in and has been with this staff from the start. Because man, that just the the impact that that those guys make. They care more. They can show the way to the younger player. Like I feel that void as much as anything else when I watch this team as well. The last thought, thought number six, I do got to give some quick love to Bryce McGowan's from the standpoint of uh, Bryce McGowan's has really, in my mind, has really improved as the season has has progressed. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was a little, like when I watched him play, and even though he was scoring at a decent clip early in the year, I was a little lukewarm on Bryce McGowan's. I was like, man, I don't, this guy, he's, I wasn't sure on him, but he is, he is, Taking taking strides in his offensive games, his offensive game. Now, don't get me wrong, Bryce McGowan still has a long ways to go in other areas, defensively, strength, toughness, valuing the little things. I mean, he is far from a perfect player, but that doesn't mean you can't acknowledge the to me the the strides and the improvement that I think he's made in his decision making, his shot selection, not settling, getting to the basket, trying to get to the free throw line. Like all those things have gotten better. So I wanted to give a little bit of a shout out to to Bryce McGowan's and yeah he he has improved. Still got a lot of deficiencies long way to go but he has improved. So there you go. Again, I'm taping this January 31st. Um tomorrow night I believe Nebraska's at Michigan. So we'll see how that game goes. I mean heck by the time you're listening to this that that game could be underway or already done and and completed but like I said earlier, you could make the case that, that that Michigan kicked Nebraska's ass worse than any team did this year. And a lot of that was Nebraska's own undoing. Like, again, I said that was Nebraska's worst effort game of the year probably to me. And you'd have to imagine that'll be different this time in Ann Arbor. But coming off this Rutgers heartbreaker, who knows? Who, who the heck knows? It should be really, really interesting to watch unfold. A Huda Media Production.